You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Do you have any friends or anybody that you would, um, if you had a chance, you would suggest save with Conrad to? Most definitely. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money. But don't take my word for it. Teachers are always trying to save a buck. So if you're an educator out there and you're listening to this, you want to save some money and put that money back into your classroom, that's what I'm able to do now. You want to be able to own your own house, teachers? This is the chance for you because you're going to strip so much debt that you're going to be free to be able to do whatever you want. I don't usually talk to people about mortgages and all that, but if they were ever to ask me about financial decisions, I'd send them your way, most definitely. Because if you can change my life, there's a lot more people out there. I'm just one starfish on the beach. You guys still have thousands and thousands of people that can, that you can serve and help and change their lives as well. And thank you for saying that. Josh, that, that means so much. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn with the hostess with the mostess. Of course, we're talking about the founder of the Four Horsemen, the enforcer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I am. I am like everyone else, concerned. Um, probably going through some trials and tribulations, and uh, having to adjust our life with this coronavirus. But I, I wanted to just uh, start the show off by apologizing with all the cancellations and people that were expecting us to be in signings in different places. And uh, we're not going to be able to be there, but we have to get behind the government and the plan that they have for all of us to fight this thing. And uh, everyone's going to have to pitch in and do our part, do everything we can. I'm sure we're going to weather this. It's just a question of 
being inconvenienced and uh, just wanted to apologize to everybody and assure them that we will make up any of these dates if humanly possible and uh, get things back to uh, entertaining the public and doing what we do well. And uh, that's just letting everybody let loose and enjoy life. Well, you're going to be able to enjoy the podcast every week. Arn is broadcasting from his house. I'm coming to you from mine. So no matter what happens with a quarantine type situation, uh, we can still keep trying to uh, offer this weekly distraction for you. And, uh, we should mention that tomorrow night dynamite is still happening. I think it's going to be on a closed set there at Daly's place in Jacksonville. So there won't be any fans, which will be a little weird, but by now we've seen both SmackDown and raw with that. So it's not that uncommon, but it's just, uh, going to take some getting used to. And I imagine it's a tremendous, uh, change for the performers because the guys in the ring are used to reacting to a crowd. Yeah, it's uh, well, number one, it's the ongoing commitment by Tony Khan and the company to, you know, still provide entertainment for everybody that's sitting home in front of a TV set. It's like my son Brock said, he said, he looked at me and just with a flat line face and said, what the hell am I going to watch on TV for the next four months? They've wiped out all the sports and, uh, said, well, you'll survive. And, uh, that's exactly what, uh, Tony Khan and AEW's commitment is. These guys are going to have to go out and do what they do and be creative and ad lib. And we're going to have to figure out some way to make an empty arena rock and roll. And, uh, there's some pretty good minds there. I think we'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, I know you will. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. Looking forward to seeing how it goes down and I'm looking forward to today's episode. It's hashtag ask Arn anything hundreds hundreds of replies there's no way we'll get to them all try to fit in as many as we can uh, let's get started with owen he says did you get paid a talent fee for your wrestlemania 18 spine buster on the undertaker owen i certainly did and uh, jr was making the payoffs at that particular time and i was very happy with what i got so uh, it was a pleasant surprise James Shea writes, in your opinion, would the WWE Hall of Fame be viewed more legitimately to people if it had an actual building like the NFL Hall of Fame or Cooperstown? I don't think so. I think it's already been, um, I don't know, glamorized, ostracized, bastardized, anything that you can think of as an, the proper adjective to, to the WrestleMania uh, show that they have as far as, as far as the, uh, hall of fame portion of, of WrestleMania week. I mean, it's just another show it's meant to, uh, to be something special, but I just think there's just a lot of things that have happened along the way. A lot of people that probably shouldn't be in there. Probably there's some that should be that aren't. And, uh, having a building and, and, just having memorabilia in there at this point, I don't think you can double back and, and, and that make a difference. James Shea wants to know, has Arn ever thought about being a talent scout? Huh? Well, I kind of am. Um, it's usually been after they were under the same roof I was in. Uh, I could usually get my opinion on who was going to be a winner and who wasn't. Um, 
but no, you know, it's something I would certainly consider. Absolutely. Joseph writes, if you could have one more match, which arena and who would you like to call your match? So not who would be the opponent, who would you like to be on the call for the match and, and what arena? Oh gosh. I think the arena would probably be Greensboro. No offense, Charlotte, but Greensboro is just always has been and always will be a tremendous wrestling town. How about the team of Tony Giovanni, Jim Ross, and Gordon Soley? Pretty badass group. I think that would probably cover every aspect of anything you could possibly want to talk about. Those guys can handle it. Uh, Ricky Morton's mullet writes in, did you ever slap anyone other than disco? No, sir. He's the only one that I think, uh, I've ever slapped. I've been in a scuffle or two with a few guys in the business, but that was more, uh, a nut cut and fist fight, but, uh, the disco, you know, bad as it was bad as I feel about it. It sometimes, um, <clears throat> and just sometimes, um, it, uh, it's the only time that's ever occurred. And I pray to God it never happens again. Did you see or hear of the Jeff Hardy incident at TNA victory road, 2011? Refresh me. What was it? What was the Jeff Hardy situation? He uh, allegedly went to the ring impaired and they didn't know it or didn't stop it. And Bischoff walked to the ring and said, Hey, I'm calling it. That's it. You're done. And then sting beat him very quickly. And the match went off the air, but he just wasn't in the uh, best physical shape. And it's been one of the most hotly debated topics of how did it happen? Of course, right after Jeff Hardy got the help that he needed and turned his life around and, uh, it wound up being a good thing, but that day in particular, lots of criticism to go around. I did hear about it third person. And, uh, if you know, Jeff Hardy, he's, he's a good dude. You know, he's a hard worker. He, he uh, has given his body to the business. Uh, whatever was going on in his life at that time, only he knows, I imagine he was battling some demons to, to be at work and be tore up really exceeds, uh, taking a Liberty by about times 10. Um, I'm sure he didn't just wake up that morning and say, Hey, I'm going to get blasted and then go to work and, right. and, and screw the show up. I'm sure it was just one of those things that was just, uh, uh, an aspect of what was going on in his life and just, uh, another one of the horrible, uh, incidents that, that could have been way worse than what it was, but thank God it wasn't. Absolutely. And he's, uh, he's back now and doing his thing and, uh, we're all glad to see it. Yes, uh, we are. Ricky Morton Smollett wants to know, we all know, uh, thanks to you that Tony Schiavone can shampoo a water Buffalo. Do you think anyone else could provide the conditioner? <laughs> uh, how about Colonel Parker? <laughs> <laughs> he could do it from another County. I think my friend, he is the all time hose. 
I don't know if anybody knows that. Okay. Now you know it. Yeah. I think, uh, the word is out a few years ago, a, uh, a picture of him at a hot tub leaked and, uh, he had on like uh tidy whitey type, uh, bikini bottoms. And to the, to the point that I got a text from a friend of ours, once he landed a new job and said, Hey, send me that picture of Colonel Robert Parker. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, the one. And I had to think for a minute, like, what is he? Th- <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Got it. There you go. You know, the boys have always known it. It's one of those that for whatever reason, just because of this generation, the fans have only the, been the ones that have the vehicle to ask that question on air. You know, this wouldn't have been <laughs> possible uh, 20 years ago, but it's been always been known that if Colonel Parker wanted to just put his kickstand down and just hang out anytime he wanted to. Yeah, we uh, we sold a shirt over on Tony Schiavone's podcast, and we called it Colonel Parker's Jump Rope Academy. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably being mild. Oh, my gosh. Um, JW writes, since you and Flair have kind of drifted apart due to the business, is there anyone in the business that you're very close with today? Huh. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have friends. Uh, you know, Dean Malenko is a good friend. Dave Finley, Jamie Noble, you know, Mike Rotundo were friends. Cody Rhodes has become a good friend. Dustin's a good friend. Tim Horner and my friendship has lasted the test of time. Um, You know, a lot of guys in the business I think very highly of. I think very highly of Randy Orton. I think very highly of the Revival. You know, some of those young kids, Heath Slater, Bray Wyatt. You know, Taylor Rotundo, uh, Joe Henning, you know, a whole list of kids that I really like, you know, Luke Harper, you know, if I really sat down and made a list, it's one of the one things that, that has really helped me transition from where I was and where I am is just knowing the fact when I, you know, I've always said, if you got five friends, if, you know, if you can count on one hand, the, the legitimate friends you have in life you were a success and uh, I had a lot of time just to sit down and go, Hey, what did I do wrong? Did I do anything wrong? What have I done? Right. You know, what's the one thing you've done right since you've been in the business. And I think it's develop uh, respectful relationships with a lot of guys and friendships with a lot of guys and gals, you know, as far as that goes. So, uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I made a lot of friends in this business, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. Anthony Corona, not the virus, writes in, does Arn have any good Jerry Jarrett stories? And if not, does he do an impression? I don't. I haven't been around Jerry Jarrett enough to do an impression, and I never worked for him, so I don't know. I may have had three casual conversations with him through the years, um, just places that I ran into him just by chance, whether it was a a signing. Uh, we actually went over and worked one match uh, with uh, with his company. It was, uh, I think, it was Oli Tully, myself against Lawler, Dusty, and maybe Magnum it was a bunkhouse match, six man. Um, but uh, no, sorry, I don't. Let's keep it moving here. Um, Bad Money Slim. Writes, I work out religiously and I know the enforcer was clanging and banging tough back in the day. So I have to ask, 
What adult beverages taste better after a workout? Well, for years and years and years, I know it's going to be, you know, not exotic, not erotic, not one of those things you go, well, damn. But, buddy, <clears throat> Miller Lite in the bottle floating, floating in about half ice and about half ice water for a couple hours sure tasted excellent after a workout or wrestling. You know, especially when you had both in one day, you had that deep sweat twice a day, man, those cold beers really tasted good. Um, Mike Eldridge has a great question. Who is on orange Mount Rushmore of tag teams? We hear this debate a lot about individual performers, but to ask a tag team question like this to you, I thought it was a pretty good question. Huh? Okay. Uh, right off the top midnight express. Rock and Roll Express. That's easy. Yep. Um, how about uh, the British Bulldogs? Wow. They were damn good together. And how about uh, Arn and Tully? I like what you put yourself on there. Makes me happy. <laughs> well, I was struggling with it, but damn it. Sometimes if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. So once again, toot, toot. I'll tell you what, you're going to be toot, tooting when you go to keeps. Now I can't believe that we're actually going to talk about this with Arn Anderson, but I figure, you know what? Let's phone a friend. Let's call an expert. And he knows that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> the good news well, today's advancements in science keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and even help you keep the hair you have at half the cost of your local pharmacy. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA approved hair loss products out there. Some you may have even tried before, but probably never for this price. Prevention is key and keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. And the sooner you start using keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with keeps treatments and keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. Thanks to keeps. You no longer have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now you can visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy, no more checkout lines, get the doctor attention and discreet drug delivery all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. So find out right now why keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and nearly a hundred thousand men have trusted keeps for their hair loss prevention medication for a limited time. You can get your first month for free and that's a hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. And, uh, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, just go to keeps.com slash ARN that's a R N to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S.com slash ARN. And, uh, you're going to get your first treatment for free. This is a big deal. Something you're very familiar with and, uh, something that you can, uh, talk about the importance of, I'm sure. Well, since you brought it up, I crept off and found a mirror that happened to be close and you know what? Damn it. I'm losing my hair. <laughs> I didn't realize that. This is bullshit. When did that happen? Yeah. Well, apparently you got a tremendous product at a proper price 
And let me tell you something. Guys that tell you they're not vain are liars. And one of the worst things in the world, especially as a young man, to lose your hair. And uh, I know, and it sucks. And uh, apparently we've got a product there that's going to be a huge assist to a whole bunch of us out there. So I'm excited. Arne's going to be getting some keeps in the mail. So when he shows up uh, on Wednesday night with an extra comb, you're going to know what's up. Go to keeps.com right now, forward slash Arn, and uh, get your first treatment for free. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool deal, man, to, uh, to have this offer for everybody. K E E P S.com slash Arn. Well, and let me tell you this, once that stuff gets started, don't think I'm not going to just go ahead and go nuts with it. it they're going to be calling me Bon Jovi in about three weeks. <laughs> Michael Eldridge writes, had Arn stayed with the WWF and become a singles wrestler, does he think Vince would have ever given him an intercontinental title run based on that title's great association with the great workers? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe I would have been honored to have had a run with the intercontinental title. You know, whoever knows it's, uh, you know, we were, I was such associated as being a part of a team for so long. That was kind of my niche and that was cool and had no problems with it. Matter of fact, I preferred it. Uh, Elders has another great question about belts, which we enjoy talking about here on the show. What are Arn's, what are some of Arn's favorite title belt designs? Well, the big one was always the number one, the, the world heavyweight champion, you know, the big gold belt sure you're very familiar with that yeah that's my favorite too yeah yep uh world television title was cool um you know i always thought it was a big deal uh being the uh the world tag team champions and uh you know it wasn't so much the design of the belt it was more about what it represented and if it was you know if you were the world television champion and you had a, a lineup of challengers you know the steven regals the mudas of the world you know all those good baby faces that you had a chance you know one of the rock and roll express at a time or anything you know ronnie garvin any of those guys that were just tremendous competitors barry windham i mean good lord sting you know luger all those guys you know it just depended on what the focus of the title was at the time and how hard it was getting pushed more so than the actual design. You know, I think the, the guys that make the championships do a really good job and make them really look professional. I think the AEW, you know, world heavyweight championship looks incredible. Um, so they do really good work. Shout out to Dave Milliken, the guy who, uh, who made that belt. I know me and you've talked about this before off air. I don't know that we've talked about it on air. Of all the different incarnations of the TV belt, which one was your favorite? Um, pretty sure red on black. Yeah, was my favorite. I just thought it was cosmetically it was a, a more attractive, um, realistic looking championship. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the all time favorites of mine as well. You know, it's it's interesting that it, it's sort of universally accepted that. The Intercontinental title is sort of the, the second belt in the WWE, but it is the belt that's um, mostly been associated with the best wrestlers. So once upon a time, that belt, while the big belt may have been held by Hulk Hogan, that secondary belt was held by Mr. Perfect or Bret Hart or Randy Savage. Some of the really great workhorses of the bit, Randy, Ricky Steamboat, all those guys. 
it felt like as you were sort of rattling off the opponents, maybe I need to adjust my thinking because I've always thought, well, the WWF intercontinental is akin to the United States belt in WCW. But when you think about the guys who were competing for it, maybe it was the TV title because maybe the TV title is sort of the WCW equivalent of the intercontinental. If we go with the whole, the reputation is the guys who have this have the best matches. I think you may be right. I mean, for whatever reason, the U.S. championship now in the Crockett days, it meant you were the number one contender right. for the for the World Heavyweight Championship. That got lost in the shuffle somewhere. It became a secondary belt. And I just think that it wasn't put in a position to be in an angle with two top guys all the time and people talking about it on TV all, you know, all the time. That's one thing about being the television champion. You knew you were going to get enough wrestling time and you were going to get enough interview time. If, mm-hmm. if you could carry both and, uh, you know, having your mug on TV on, you know, TBS every single week, it kind of, uh, gets you out there and it makes you very recognizable, very marketable. And, uh, and, uh, and it, it just, to me, it was like the intercontinental championship is for the WWE. Uh, Mike has one last question for us this week. What are some of the best and worst ribs that Arn has witnessed? Well, I've seen rotten ribs like, uh, you know, cutting off a guy's pants leg of his slacks, making one side a pair of shorts and one side long pants. Uh, funny ribs like super gluing a guy's shower shoes to the ceiling. Um, I've heard of old ribs that will just take your breath from the old timers, you know, uh, that, uh, taking a dump in somebody's bag. I'm sorry. We got a hell of a fight going on. That happens to me, but it used to happen all the time. Uh, the worst, the worst I ever heard was like Johnny Valentine's era that, one of the wrestlers had asthma real bad. He wow. had one of those inhalers. Yep. And he needed it. I mean, when he would come out of the ring, man, it's the first thing he had to do was hit that inhaler. Well, apparently, Johnny Valentine uh, put lighter fluid in the damn thing. The guy came back from the ring and hit a couple of big squirts real quick, and a lighter fluid went down his throat. And the damn guy fell out down there. I mean, it, it messed him up. And, uh, the next day the guy comes in with a gun and, and shoots a hole in his bag and Johnny Valentine's bag. And, uh, you know, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. So apparently somebody smartened him up. If you consider that a rib, that's a rib. I don't consider that a rib, but My it was, the, it was the kind of things that, that used to go on you know, back in the day, um, you know, there were funny ribs, you know, you know, Kurt Henning was probably one of the, one of the best. And it was just, you know, simple, harmless stuff. Um, one good rib that was hilarious was, uh, when we were finishing up Tully and I with WWE and the boys were throwing us a little, you know, just, a, some drinks down in, uh, and the Marriott bar, no big deal. It was Brad Hart and Ted DiBiase and some other guys. And, uh, we're drinking at the time. My beverage of choice was double Stoli sea breezes. And I'd had a couple, you know, 
and uh, catch a little buzz. And uh, somebody brought a round of drinks. I think Brett brought a, brought a round of drinks, and they brought them to us, you know. And we were talking and yakking, and he handed me a drink, and I went to drink it, and uh, I turned that thing up. And something hit me on the top of the lip, and I just turned the glass back down and looked down in my glass, and there was a someone's ear was in the drink. And I looked at Brett, and I looked beside him, and there was a guy standing there that had a prosthetic ear <laughs> that used to be stuck on his head. He was a burn victim, for God's sakes. And it went from being on his head to being in my drink. Well, I put two and two together pretty quickly and started heaving. And I puked all the way out of that bar, all the way down the hall, all the way to my room. That, looking back on it, since I'm my stomach is a little stronger these days, that was a pretty good rip. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, shitting in the bag thing because – it does feel like there's this odd fascination in the wrestling business with, with poop. Where does that come from? Well, that was more back then. You don't, you don't have that happen today. I haven't heard of that. Happen. Matter of fact, that hasn't happened in a territory or a company that I've been with since I've been in the business. Oh, now, you, it, weren't, you weren't there in the WWF when guys were doing that? Like when people were no. shitting in Sable's bag and all that? No, no, no. We, I heard it, but I was never around it and I never saw it and it never happened. It didn't happen with any company that I was with. I heard about it happening with WWF at the time. And I heard about it happening in Tennessee and a few other places, but thank God I was never around that. There's some sanitary issues with that for God's sakes. There was a, a famous rib I heard back in the day where Mr. Perfect was next to a guy on a plane and the guy just wouldn't shut up. He's just talking his ear off and perfect's trying to go to sleep. So he wants to be done with it. So he <laughs> guy orders a drink, goes to the bathroom. He comes back. He's got his Woodford reserve, but he doesn't know while he was in the bathroom, Kurt stuck his own finger up his own ass and took the shitty finger and rubbed it around the rim of the guy's glass. Oh, and yeah. But everybody in wrestling has a, a poop story. It's not just Sean Waltman shitting in people's bags. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty bad. Now, back in the day that, you know, Halcyons were some reason, you know, were one of the drugs of choice for the guys. And partially when using correctly, I guess. Now, I couldn't take them because I had no threshold for that stuff. If I took one, It'd be a month later, I'd wake up in Cairo or somewhere on the back of a, <laughs> a, a damn camel. You know, sure. I just couldn't couldn't take them. But guys would get those things thrown in their drink, and, and they would, you know, you just go blank and black out. And we're on a flight uh, overseas. A lot of shit happened when going overseas on those flights. Nine hours is a long time, you know, for guys to – just sit there in their seat, behave, and some somebody decided they were going to uh, H-bomb Bill Dundee. Now, he was in – I just happened to be fortunate enough to be in first class. He was in a row behind me in coach. So somebody H-bombed Bill. He went to sleep, and they made an ice cream sundae out of him. 
they got some whipped cream, they got a cherry, they got some all kind of stuff, and they just basically covered his whole head and whipped cream or shaving cream, maybe it was, and put a couple of cherries on top. And he just sat there, the human, the the human Sunday. And when he woke up, for whatever reason, he just saw the back of my bald head tilted back, sound asleep, and this was told to me by some of the boys, obviously. When he saw me, he associated that I did it just because I'm the first one he saw. And he slapped the shit out of the top of my head and woke me up out of a coma. <laughs> and other than getting mad, I looked at him and immediately clicked in what happened. And I just, I was just rolling. I was dying. And, uh, that's one of those ribs that was harmless, but, uh, and that made it matter. I'm sure. I mean, for him to be pissed off and you're laughing, that makes it even worse. Well, yeah, it probably made me look guilty and I swear to God, I wasn't part of it. I, I don't rib guys, you know, and I just never have, I, you know, I'll joust with guys, you know, I'm pretty good about going back and forth verbally jousting, but ribbing, I never rib guys. And, uh, you know, it would have been if he would have just thought for a minute, looked around and saw who was on the flight. It had been pretty easy to pick out who it was, but that was a pretty good rib too. About every other question this week on Twitter that came in, wanted to know, why did you call Lex Luger an eggplant? Okay. So this one has an answer and it's, uh, you would have to be there to appreciate it and know all the parties involved to really appreciate it. But we were in uh, LA at the forum and it was the road warriors and somebody, whoever their third partner was, I can't, I can't remember now, but it was Tully, Rick and myself. And it was a cage match. Well, they sent the wrong cage and the cage actually fit not on the outside rim of the apron where it belonged. So you could stand on the apron, but because this was a, this started out as a tag match, supposed to be, but the cage actually fit flush against the outside of the ropes, if you can picture that. So there was nowhere to stand. You had to stand in the ring, in your corner. So... Luger gets in there pretty, pretty much the, you know, first part of the match. Well, Hawk was just Hawk. He didn't stop to think about, Hey, am I burying the heels here? You know, what are the repercussions of this? How does this look to the audience? He gets in there in circles with Luger and just starts walking him and he walks him right back into our corner. And Hawk is standing there about a foot and a half and Luger's butt is, is hitting the turnbuckle. And we're all three just standing there, and he's looking around, and he goes, Jesus, Art, what do I do? What do I do? What, what are we going to do? What, he's right there. What are we going to do? And I just looked over, and I don't know where it, where it came from. I said, shut the fuck up, eggplant, I'm thinking. <laughs> That's how he was named Eggplant. <laughs> See how simple shit is in this business, how it just – just something happens and it is from then on. It's tremendous. Uh, the man writes in who, in your opinion, would have made a good horseman that never was one. Probably Ted DiBiase. Oh, that's an excellent, 
name. I like that one. He just would fit. We would fit the mentality. He would fit the work rate and the, you know, the costuming is, is every day, you know, Teddy always dressed to the nines, you know, it was, he would have just been a good fit. No argument for me on that one. Great fit. Um, uh, Rob writes, uh, a stooge once told the story of you, a Chicago hotel and a phone call to the general. This can't be true, right? No, it's true. And the stooge is Tony Zavani, that dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, the story as it goes is Tony Shivani helped get you uh, quote weekend at Bernie's level drunk and, uh, took you to a hotel. Uh, it wasn't the company hotel, but they didn't know where that was, or maybe it was either way. You wake up in a strange place. You're not exactly sure where you are, but you realize you're in Chicago and no one person in Chicago, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, here's the part that, you know, this was a rib, uh, we were drinking downtown and David Crockett, the owner, one of the owners was with us. And we were downtown, you know, um, they would always take care of us with, there was a, I think the bar was called the snuggery or something. We would go in after right straight away from the, you know, from the show, which was downtown, we would stop by and have some drinks and then we would head back out to our hotel, which was always by the airport. And, uh, this is one of those nights because there was a lot of, you know, if you say free tab, free open bar tab to wrestlers, it is, it's like a fire drill, but instead of running out of the building, they run in the building. So a lot of the boys were there and, uh, which leads me to believe, you know, I could hold my liquor pretty good, uh, that somebody H bombed me, which somebody threw a house on in my drink. Um, that particular night because I have no recollection of any of it. Well, Tony said apparently that I was standing beside him propped up on an elbow and my feet just started sliding and, and I couldn't stop them from sliding and just did a belly bump or something right there in the bar, which as you could imagine, we already had pretty good amount of attention. I would imagine that probably escalated it, but all the wrong way. So apparently they get me in, uh, in a cab or, or something, him and David, and they took me to the hotel. Well, great. Problem is it wasn't our hotel. And they get me checked in. They get me up to the room. I'll take a bump. Maybe they pull my shoes off. I don't know to what extent. Hopefully they took my glasses off my head or I'd have woke up with them stuck to my back probably. Um, and so they check me in and then they leave. Well, I wake up. <clears throat> Nothing looks familiar. I'm in downtown Chicago. Pick up the phone, start calling the the operator. Hey, would you ring Tony Giovanni's room? Hey, would you ring David Crockett's room? Hey, would you ring Ric Flair's room? Would you ring Tully? I'm sorry, sir. None of these people are staying here. So now I am hungover. My eyes are swole shut. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. I don't recognize nothing. There were no cell phones in these at this time. 
No such thing. So take that out of the equation. So I don't know who to call. I just know Bruce MacArthur, Wirtz Corporation, which is, you would know Conrad's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, they only owe the, you know, they own the building where the Bulls play. United and, Center, yeah. Yeah, United Center and all kinds of properties and holdings and all that stuff. So I just call information. They give me the number, the receptionist answers. You know, I need to speak to Bruce, you know, Bruce MacArthur. Well, I'm sorry, sir. He's in a board meeting. Ma'am, I'm lost. <laughs> I don't know where I am. I don't know how to get where I'm going. He's the only person I know. I don't give a shit. Go interrupt and tell him I'm on the phone. Something of that nature. I said, this is an emergency. So apparently they disrupted a board meeting because some hungover lost wrestler is on the phone seeking assistance. So everybody had a big laugh. Bruce came to the phone, believe it or not, and da-da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da-da. He said, let me do a little checking. And I guess he called Rick and found out where the hotel was. I jumped in a cab, went to the other hotel, got in the shower. All was well. When was the last time you, uh, you saw or talked to the general? Oh God, probably 15 years. Um, which I'm sorry to say, he just, uh, I guess things went, uh, you know, he went a different way and, and him and Rick weren't hanging out together. Rick was the vehicle to, to Bruce. They were the ones that were friends. We just became friends through those guys. Yep. So I, he yep. just took a different path in life as did we. And, uh, to be honest with you, you know, there wasn't any of that going out and going drinking and stuff because when you work for WWE, as soon as the show's over, you're heading to the next town. So that eliminated all that. Yes, it did. Let's keep it going here. Uh, Justin Andrews writes, I love executing the gourd buster, but I find many people, uh, I find many people find it hard to take. There you go. Two fines. Uh, how did you come up with the gourd buster and who took the best gourd buster from you? I just pictured it in my head. It's the way most things are come together. You just see something and it just pops in. Well, Hey, what if I did this? And you know, that was the problem. I think that I had with the gourd buster. People were, you know, afraid that I was actually driving their head into the mat, which when I start down with them and I hit on my knees, if they all hit on their belly, everything goes smooth. And that pad is, which keeps a guy's head from actually hitting the mat with all that force is me landing on my knees. There's your margin for error. And, uh, I think it looked a lot worse than what it really was. And just a lot of people were afraid of it. And if they pulled their knees up as well, it looked like shit. So the reward and risk versus reward for me was, Hey, I'm going to have a shitty looking finish here. It's not going to look good or just move on to something else was the main reason I quit using it. Henry, uh, writes in, take us back to the night of March 31st, 2008. What was it like to be a part of the nature boys final send off in WWE? What can you tell us about the atmosphere that night in Orlando and what it meant to Rick at the time? Well, you know, he had earned it. I didn't think, you know, I was, you know, I was one of many people that didn't think that was the last we'd seen of Ric Flair, but 
You know, possibly, and uh, he had earned it, and who was more deserving? He had a lot of his uh, people from his era out there to, you know, congratulate him and make it a special moment. It's one of those few, he's one of the few guys that have a night like that, you know. Probably a lot lot more should that have really contributed to the business, but, you know, Rick's special. Rick will always go down in history as being special as far as the business goes, and, you know, we're all glad that he could have something done for him like that. You know, it's hard to imagine telling a Ric Flair story in 2020 and not thinking of a way to transition to bluechew.com of course blue chew sponsoring us this week and almost every week remember when you guys were always ready to go well now thanks to blue chew you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed listen up blue chew that's blue like the color blue and we're proud to say that bluechew.com brings you the world's first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as both viagra and cialis you can take these anytime, day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And if you could benefit from a little more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fastest, easiest way to enhance your performance. We should mention that Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Of course, it's made right here in the USA. And since they prepare and ship direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy, but maybe best of all, no more awkwardness. And right now we've got a special deal just because you listen to this show. When you visit bluechew.com, you'll get your first shipment for free. When you use our special promo code ARN, that's A-R-N, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com. The promo code is ARN and you get to try it for free. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And man, uh, blue chew is more over than ribs were, uh, when it comes to the backstage these days, uh, guys aren't putting lighter fluid in each other's, uh, inhalers. They're talking about, Hey, what they did last night on blue chew. Hey, number one, if you give Ric Flair blue chew, you're looking at aggravated assault on somebody. Number one. (laughs) Okay. Let me just let me just lay it out here for you. Here's the deal. Men in their minds, if a woman just looks at them or the wind blows or they walk by and a you know, nice set of heels makes their legs look good, any of those things, a guy is already ready. Ready to go, idling, ready to go. But some sometimes just being ready to go in your head won't get it done. You know, you're sitting there ready to rock and roll and you're idling, but what Blue Chew allows you to do, and men know what I'm talking about, is pop the clutch. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. That's what Blue Chew does. And, buddy, what a difference. Check it out, bluechew.com. Use that special promo code ARN. Going to get your dick real, real hard for just $5. Stoner Dale writes in, Arn, other than podcasting, what's your favorite hobby? I like to work out. I like to go to the gym. Makes me feel good. You know, can't train. You know, I never trained super heavy, you know, but but moderately. And uh, I can't do that anymore, but I still like to get that sweat every day. It's just makes you feel good and, you know, makes your day go a lot better. What's your go-to routine when you go to the gym? 
Uh, believe it or not, Scotty Steiner. Now we got we got similar physiques, right? Sure. Put me on a uh, routine probably twenty five years ago, and uh, with all the travel back then, you know, we were doing a lot of traveling and stuff. And it just, you know, he said, "Why don't you do this? This is what I do." He said, "I train one body part a day, and you can go in and really just blast it for fifty minutes." hour tops, you know, do 20, 25 sets of, of one body part, like chest one day, shoulders the next, back and arms the third. If you want to do legs, you know, you could probably squeeze legs in with shoulders and you just go until your body, you know, just go a string of days until your body tells you, okay, I need a break. doesn't matter what day that is. Your body will tell you, okay, I'm going to take the day off. And you get in and out of the gym in about an hour and uh when you have tight schedules like we do you know that that's worked for me over the years you get that good sweat but you got to train quickly and uh you know don't rest a whole lot during your sets and you get that good deep sweat which is what i was after anyway i was never going to have a great body probably never even going to have a good body um but I could at least get that sweat in, get stretched out good, get that blood flow, and, and just feel good about the day, which is the main thing. You just do it to feel good. On this day in WWE writes, this week, 25 years ago, was uncensored 95. Arn lost a wrestler versus boxer match to Johnny B. Bad, where he had a bucket on his head and got knocked out, followed by hopping onto the stage of the main event after being bound and gagged as, as the masked man. Was this Arn's worst pay-per-view ever? Hearing it back, I'm sure of it. Uh, the only thing could have been worse would have been I'd, if I'd had to do an hour Broadway with the Renegade on top of all that. Uh, yeah, it was probably pretty bad. I did my best with the boxer versus wrestler to at least be entertaining. Um, you know, I thought it was okay for what it was. Um and the bounding gag, that's always refreshing. Concussed Jones writes in, when someone asked, did you prefer them as a heel or babyface? Has anyone ever answered babyface? In my opinion, everyone was better as a heel. What say you? Was anybody ever a better babyface than a heel? Are we talking about just all talent included? Yeah. Um... Yeah, Brad Armstrong was a better babyface than a heel, uh, which you know, his tenure is, uh, I think he was, wasn't he a free bird for a minute? Was he? Check the books. Okay. I think he had, had a mask on, the Candyman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I forgot. You're talking about Underhood. You're right. During that era, you know, something. Um, he, he was a Fantasia when he was a part of. Uh, the free birds, but he, he was also bad street and, um, he did the candy man. He did one. Oh, arachna man. That's what I was thinking of. God, those are all so rotten. No wonder we forgot them. Why would you put anything on Brad Armstrong as talented as he was? Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I was watching some old stuff. I was watching a couple of matches with Brad. God almighty. Was he good? Um, I don't think Ricky Steamboat, and he used to ask me about twice a year, you know, God, I'd love to, I'd love to be a heel. 
why don't you come up with something to turn me heel? I said, Ricky, <clears throat> let me just tell you point blank. I don't want to, you know, shit in your mask cat or anything, but you could never, ever be a heel. It's not in you. All you would end up doing if you turned heel would be to disappoint some old people and probably some kids. You would never get the kind of heat that you need to get to be a top heel. And uh, he really wanted to experience it, but it just wasn't in the cards for him, I don't think. Chris writes, what are Arn's thoughts on Steve Austin's heel turn at WrestleMania X7 and his heel run in 2001? If you've got WCW taking a dive, right? There are no more. Yep. And you got Austin and Rock is two hottest baby faces probably in the world. Yep. Why mess with that? You know, it's it's one of those things that uh, as many as many shows as they were running, and as many venues and the huge cards and the pay-per-views and all that, you need more than one baby face. And to have two of that magnitude that were that over, you know, and I remember seeing those guys, you know, doing promos and every single body was standing and chanting and raising holy hell, I mean, and and chanting along with them, and and just the audiences were just with the program. It was a rare time in the business to turn Austin Hill just, why? I mean, why? Um, Probably a major mistake. Let's keep it rolling. This one comes to us from the Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast. They write in, please talk about the team and eventual split with Jerry Stubbs both sides of which were incredible thoughts of how that was laid out all the way up until the end. When he lost the loser leaves matches, any nerves throwing the fire, Sonny King as a manager joining the stable, etc. Well, uh, when I first went to Pensacola to start, uh, my territory run, not the three weeks that I had been there a year previous or, whatever it was, but to go down and, and start working on, drove down to Birmingham from Rome where I was, I was between territories and I started in uh, Birmingham. I didn't know Jerry at all. And, uh, he was riding in a van with a bunch of the other boys. And he said, Hey, you know, I'll, if you like, I'll ride with you and ride back to Pensacola. We, you know, get acquainted. And I said, great. And, and he really turned out to be a, a super guy. He put me up at his house for, for a couple, three days. And, you know, uh, took me to the gym, showed me where the gym was, showed me where the arena was and all that stuff. And uh, introduced me to Scott Armstrong, who I'd never met. I'd met Brad and his dad and worked with Bob during that three weeks previous um, that I was there. So kind of introduced me around Acquainted, got me acquainted with the boys and the layout and the the whole scenario. And then he put me on, uh, when I found out I was going to be wrestling under a hood, he put me on the costuming lady that, that not only made gear but made masks. So he really hooked me up and, and got me started with everything, got me acquainted. And uh, the whole deal was he was Mr. Olympia under a hood. I was super Olympia coming in as a... Uh, 
is a baby face, which is a horrifying thought. Under a mask is really a horrifying thought because I didn't have any baby face skills at all, none. I could do none of that stuff. Um, and I would hear, you know, some people in the audience thought I was Buzz Sawyer. Some thought I was Dick Slater. There was several of these uh, names that they were throwing out that, that they thought I was, which was was, was kind of cool. Um, but uh, we did a little angle and uh, worked together, and then we became partners and uh that's where I started to learn about tag teams and, and tag team wrestling and because he was really, not only did he look like a million dollars, you know, living in Pensacola, he had access to his swimming pool and the beach and the guy was tanned. He just, and he was a tremendous worker. There was no flaws in Jerry's work, look, any of that stuff. Uh, and he could do a pretty good promo. You know, he had a pretty heavy southern drawl, but we were in the south, so it worked. And, uh, you know, we, we became a pretty good team and jailed together, and, and then we got better as a team. And uh, it uh, it just started clicking, and we started working with Scotty and uh, Scotty Armstrong and uh, the Tonga kid at that time, who was about 180 pounds, and Johnny Rich. Um it, they were called the Rat Patrol for obvious reasons. The little girls loved them. And uh, we worked with those kids and really had a good time. And Stevie Armstrong kind of got in there and got in that rotation too and enjoyed working with him. So we just had a, a really good, calm work environment where you could go out and, and take these guys and, and learn from them and, and teach them as well and and we're all kind of learning the business together and had the opportunity to start doing promos down there for for local markets and no pressure and it was just a learning curve that that you had and a great work environment and just show up and do your job and there were no issues so you know it turned out that uh we eventually did a split with jerry and i and then when i found out i was going to charlotte territory we did some some loser leave matches and stuff here and there. I, I, I actually ended up doing the last ones with uh, Colonel Parker, Robert, um, and um, you know it was just a great experience. I enjoyed being Jerry's opponent and his partner. And if uh, had he chose to and went out and into the world, he really didn't want to leave and go any further than Bill Watts territory because he could just, you know, pretty much drive there from Pensacola and stay a few days. And and uh, if he wanted to, he could take a day and drive back home. And, you know, it was close enough that it wasn't impossible. And um, if, had he chose to go out in the world, he would have been a huge star, I think. Is Rat Patrol not the best wrestling tag team name ever? Think about it. It was self-explanatory. It's tremendous. Absolutely. And the little girls love those guys. Uh, Phil Snowden writes in, what was your favorite pay-per-view that you were involved in as an in-ring talent and backstage? Is there one show that you look back on in your in-ring career and think, <laughs> damn, that was the one? Not really. I think... It's hard to top when I go back and relive stuff. I mean, 
there's being a wrestler and, and all that that entails and being in big matches on a pay-per-view and, <clears throat> or even a clash of the champions for that matter. Um, and then you look at having a spotlight like the undertaker appearance, you know, the spine buster and the undertaker. If you really think about it <clears throat> for a heel, that's no longer allowed to be a wrestler because you can't get cleared medically. You're kind of pigeonholed into, as an agent, what you can do to be allowed to be involved in spine buster and the undertaker at WrestleMania is pretty damn stout. And of all the things I've done, getting that tingling feeling back and not actually being in the match, that's probably as close as I'll ever get to something of that magnitude. The stuff I'm doing with Cody now is a lot of fun. Uh, this was just one of those deals that it's like bigger than life because Undertaker was bigger than life. Yes, he is and was. Uh, a couple more questions, then we'll wrap this one up. Richard Barnes writes in, Arn, how did you meet your wife? Um, I was in Pensacola, and Scott Armstrong and myself went to the fair, Pensacola State Fair, and we're walking around, and uh, some group of young ladies were all gathered up there, and it was, as it turned out, it was, uh, they were all painted up for like some gag, you know, they had paint on their faces and all this stuff. It was some cheerleading gag that they were doing. And, uh, Erin just caught my eye. She was just, my God, she was just stunning. Even underneath all the goofy makeup and all the goofy costuming. Well, I met her and Scott introduced me to her, um, and a couple of other girls and, uh, you know, we kind of went our own way and everything. And, uh, and, uh, several months later I ran into her again at the mall and, and, uh, you know, it was just a hi, goodbye and, and all that stuff. And, uh, as it turned out, her mom was a, was a wrestling fan and, uh, we were in Pensacola and, uh, running the show there, obviously, every Sunday. And uh, Aaron went to the show with her. And uh, I just happened to see her walk by. I was looking, watching the matches through the curtain, and I just gave her a, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, remember me? And uh, one of those goofy things, and I probably said something really stupid. And uh, she, again, you know, she was dressed up, and she just looked... She was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. I don't know what to tell you, you know. And I still feel that way today and uh, asked her for a number and if she wouldn't mind if I called her. And uh, there was an age difference. Um, so for about a month, I had to just go and sit at her house and sit on the couch with the family and uh, put them in a position to trust me, which uh, I think. You know, they saw that I had honorable intentions, and uh, we started dating, and we were together the rest of the time I was in Pensacola, and when I moved to Charlotte, um, she came up pretty soon after, and we got married in Rome, and we have been together ever since. That was 85. And it worked out. How about that? 
It did, you know, in this business, you got to have a very special woman to stay with you because you're gone all the time and they have to take care of every single thing from the dishwasher, you know, shutting down to the car blowing up to somebody stealing your identity, identity theft, you name it, anything that could come up negative in life. Guess what? I'm in, you know, somewhere out in the Midwest and she's having to deal with it. And for someone to do that and stay with you and raise your children and do a good job of it and provide you a nice home to come home to and, and all those things that, that the really good women, you know, that are associated families and stuff with wrestlers and, Guys in the business, you know, they're a special breed and they deserve all the credit in the world because they do everything. As you're, you know, as you're finding out, Conrad, all those extra things that you just, there's no way you could get to them. It doesn't hurt having a wife you can call and, and go, hey, could you do this for me? Sure. Sure takes a load off of you. Absolutely. Two more and then we'll wrap this one up. Well, this one is about one of those women in wrestling who once was on the road and then became a homemaker. TW writes in, what was Nancy Benoit like? Nancy was, uh, I got to know Nancy when, uh, you know, um, early on in WCW. She was really a sweet lady. Um, when my oldest was young and we went down to Daytona for a vacation one time. We went over to to uh Nancy and Kevin had a real nice condo on the beach. I mean it was beautiful. Way up high, really well decorated, facing the ocean, right on the ocean. It was really beautiful. We went over there before we were going to dinner one night, just hanging out and I look over and we hadn't been there five minutes. She's already got Barrett, my oldest son he would have probably, I don't know, been five, six, something, something around that age. They're over there sitting on the floor coloring. I mean, within five to ten minutes of us walking in the door, she's already got him over there coloring. And, and she just was just a sweet, sweet person and, uh, you know, really a, really a nice person, too. And, and all I ever had, the only relationship I had with her was a, as a good friend and and uh, I didn't see any of the turmoil that went down with her and Kevin firsthand or Chris. I didn't. There was no inkling of any of that. I just saw her as just someone that was always there, and she was a professional, did a good job at her job, and, you know, she's missed, that's for sure. I had a chance to see the episode on Chris Benoit and Nancy Sullivan, or Nancy Benoit, rather, uh, in the new Dark Side of the Ring. It comes out next week. Uh, market calendars right now. It's March 24th, which will be one week from the day. It's going to be on Vice TV. Check your local listings. You don't want to miss it. I think it has a runtime of two hours. It's about an hour and a half without commercials. And it is uh, rough, man. Lots of details, lots of stuff I didn't know. Uh, but it is one of the uh, the biggest stories in the history of wrestling. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future. Last one. Let's end on a high note. Let's have some fun with this one, Arn, and then we'll wrap it up. Troy Coleman writes in, if injuries weren't a factor, would Arn have taken the dick spot from Joey Ryan? No. no Absolutely dicks. not. And I don't even know what it is. Uh, so the, the gimmick is you grab his penis and then his penis uh, turns you a flip. No. Absolutely not. 
Uh, now hang on, spe- hear, hear me out. What if we had a, a golden gloves boxer put on a boxing glove and we put a bucket on your head and we punch you and knock you out? Would you be in for that? As stupid as that may may sound for a grown man to be standing there wibble wobbling like a weeble with a bucket on his head, that still is not as embarrassing as grabbing another man's Johnson. No, you know, to each his own. If that's his gimmick, that's his gimmick. You know, I just came out better, be honest with you, stomping a man's arm until it was useless and then spine busted. Well, in, in the next life, let's see if we can't get you to at least try doing some dick grabs. Can I tell you something? If I had nine lives, we'd still be arguing about doing this spot. <laughs> I don't care what you do. I do hope that you go to magic city live and partner with apple a day foundation and the Orpheum when they present magic city mania, WWE superstars, Braun Strowman, Drake Maverick, and EC three want you to come see the stars of magic city live accompanied by their cohorts and a wide array of surprise guests, including Ron killings, AKA R truth will be performing his new hit single, set it off. This is all happening on the evening of Thursday, April 2nd, before the biggest weekend in sports entertainment, join some of wrestling's most boisterous personalities for an evening. Unlike anything this weekend has seen before, and you never know who might be hanging out in the VIP, get your tickets right now at K five network.com. They started just 25 bucks and up. You can even get a, uh, VIP ticket package, which will get you a very special cast, special meet and greet access to a balcony with your own private bar, a goodie bag and a once in a life opportunity to compete in the promo bowl. So get your tickets right now, prepare to enter the hallowed halls of Tampa's world renowned Orpheum for mania's weekends, wildest celebration and an evening. You will never, ever forget. You will not want to miss this fan interactive event, which will be like no other during the biggest week of the year. And it's going to bring a lot of joy to those who are living lives of pediatric cancer. K five network is proud to be associated with the apple a day foundation and their objective goals to help pediatric cancer patients and connect them to the outside world. Go to appleaday.org for more information on this great cause. If you want tickets for the event and we hope it's still happening, it's k 5 network.com subscribe and watch on YouTube at K five network, but are whether or not WrestleMania happens or doesn't, uh, we should do all we can for uh, pediatric cancer patients. Should we not? Absolutely. And I, and I hope uh, WrestleMania is able to come off because there's so many people relying on that in, you know, entertainment and this some trying times. But yes, we certainly should take care of those folks. Well, next week, we're going to be back no matter what here on the show. Uh, we're going to be bringing you WrestleMania 31. Uh, and then in a couple of weeks, we'll do Extreme Rules 2010. And a few weeks after that, Extreme Rules 2015. We've got a ton of new content coming your way. And of course, every other week, you get your chance to ask Arn anything. Uh, follow us right now if you haven't already at the Arn Show on social media. That's at the Arn Show. Twitter is where I usually pull my questions. And stay tuned. We've got a big announcement coming your way. Uh, something big is happening on Monday, March 30th. We're actually going to be a part of a super Patreon here on the show. So if you'd like to get our shows early and ad free and some extra bonus content every now and again, Uh, any of our show notes and preparation that I do, all of that will be available to you on Patreon. We're going to announce it on Monday, March 30th. You don't want to miss it. Uh, if you support the show here, that is going to be something, uh, you'll really dig. So stay tuned for that information. But next week it's all about WrestleMania 31. We'll see you next Tuesday, right here 
on Ard only on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.